I remember. He had a girlfriend at the time, too. Okay, we can edit that. <laughs> you, had a, you had a girlfriend at the time. <laughs> I did. I remember. Oh my god! I remember when the doors opened. This sounds terrible this now so... that they know that I have a girlfriend. I think he's lying. It's not. I remember the very first time I saw Lauren. I remember this this vividly. The doors opened to Tavern. It was Tavern then. It's Earl Street now. Yeah. And <laughs> I saw her, and I immediately like knew in my heart that she had to be married. She was married to. This was my first thought. That girl's married to a, a special forces trained killer. You are literally he is, so crazy. He is, yes, he's got all of those certifications. He is he is an assassin and he's I'm gonna have to fight him. I know it. And if I can make it out of that, I'm gonna have a shot with that girl right there. Oh my gosh. When were y'all like when 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 did the, each of you say think think this might be Oof. my person? It was early for me. Quick. Yeah. I was like, I just remember being like, God, please let this be my person. Like, mm. please let me marry him. <laughs> Probably two or three months in. So. And what about you, Ryan? I mean, maybe sooner. Really? Yeah. It what just. Was it, what was it about Lauren that you, that was just like. Man. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to cry already. Me, me too. <laughs> No, this is good. This is good. What was it about Lauren? Like, what was it? You obviously. She's this. She's this perfect balance of confidence and sweetness, and just so much fun. She's drop dead gorgeous. She's completely humble, and it's not humility that's forced or like born out of trying to hate yourself so that you're not a piece of crap. You know, it's just there, and it's in perfect harmony. Everybody that she ever comes in contact with loves her right I, I mean i don't i don't i don't have to list all these things for you to just know them if you know her for two seconds you know them Ugh, i had done that thing where you like list out all the things you want in a future spouse yep but if <laughs> i was in that state of my life um and truly like i, I remember looking back at that and it it was oddly like he ticked every single one of them. Right. And that's so cliche, but it was so real. And I just remember people being like, oh, when you know, you know. Mm. And I'd be like, that's a load of S-H-I-T. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, well, that's real. Cause you know. Yeah. So y'all got married, what was, what's the anniversary date? What, August? 9th. August 9th of what year? 2015. 2015. <laughs> we started dating in August. We went on our first date. We were engaged the next June, and then we were married in August. Okay. So we were real fast. We when you know, married. you know. When you know, you for know. Real. Well, hunt. Where, do, remind me where you went on Jamaica. 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 Come on. Come back. You're working together. You've been married. Um, how long were you married before you found out you were pregnant? So we. Two years. Was it? We had gone on a trip to Italy. Okay. And that was our last. We had done. We love to travel. Okay. And so that we had done several, several big trips in the time that we were married. And we 
Italy was like our last big thing. Then we were like, oh, then we'll just kind of see what happens. And we were were ready to have kids. And um, we got pregnant while we were in Italy. Oh. So we were probably, we were married. (laughs) Bellissimo. Ah, month of it. Two years. Yeah, two years. Yeah. Yeah. So you got pregnant when you're in Italy. Like two and a half years we were married. Find out what, what was what was your, what was the first thing that ran through your mind when you found out you're pregnant? Oh man, my dream literally since I was five years old is like to be like a wife and a mom. So I'm like literally like living my like lifetime dream calling of like just being so in love and having this like family. And so I mean, just so excited. I, I like I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Same. Also, <laughs> I felt, um, I don't know, it became it became real very quickly for me when we found out that we were pregnant. It's right. one thing to be like, I mean, Lord willing, we're going to have some kids and right. it's going to be awesome. Right. And then it's okay. We have a, we have a date where this is going to happen. So it was like wonderful and fun and exciting. And also like, Oh my God, I'm going to be a dad. I have to become that. You know what I mean? A little like, scary. Yeah, of course. But exciting at the same yeah, time. Totally. And Wonderful. Like, like really healthy pregnancy. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. I had some, I mean, we were using a midwifery. We were planning to do like a, um, a natural birth at the outside of the hospital, yeah. outside of the hospital, you know, just no, no red flags until the very, the very end. And I'm like, me i started having high blood pressure right and, and you, knew, so, you, you knew did y'all know the sex of the baby yet yes because okay. my planning planning mind listen i get it i, I want to know. <laughs> know so it was gonna be a girl little girl yep mm-hmm. and her you were gonna name her copeland copeland because of a bartender in jamaica yeah <laughs> Listen. We found that name and we were like, if we ever have a girl, that's what we're gonna mm-hmm. name her. I love that. And the minute so we did we did like the anatomy scan where they, you know, find out the sex, but we decided we wanted to find out just the two of us. And so we were um had taken our little envelope and we went to dinner. We went to um a nice restaurant and we opened it and it said it was a girl and we were like, This is Copeland. This mm-hmm. is her. Oh wow. Yeah. So we just knew. And so Going back to the high blood pressure thing. Oh yeah. So toward the towards toward, the end, toward the end of pregnancy, probably early, my early thirties or thirty weeks, like thirty two ish, my blood pressure just started skyrocketing, and so at that point, they're monitoring me a little closer. Mm-hmm. I'm having to go over to the hospital for appointments, um, which were just routine. Just routine, yeah. checking my blood pressure, making sure everything was good, taking some lab work. Not an um, uncommon thing to happen. Definitely not. A lot of first time moms have something called preeclampsia. And they just, that's where we were watching. We were just watching, watching a little bit closer than outside of the hospital Mm -hmm. at the, at the midwifery. Mm -hmm. And then there was, there was one visit that turned into way more than your standard visit. Correct. Mm -hmm. So at my 36, I was 36 and two and we had gone over, Ryan went to every appointment with me through every, through my pregnancy, every appointment he was there. Yeah. He missed one. And He was with me this one, thank goodness. But we um, just, you know, we're going, I think I was going weekly at this point just to have my blood pressure checked. Mm -hmm. And we'd gone over, we were at the, um, at this point they were sending me to the high risk doctors. And, um, you know, nothing had really changed. 
but they caught something in my blood work. And so she was like, you know what? You're not going to leave the hospital today. You're just going to drive around and y'all are going to go in and y'all are going to have this baby today. And I'm like, which was not your plan. No. And that's, I'm like, this isn't my plan. We don't have the car seat in the car. We don't have all these things because I like to everything like understandable. Yeah, I'm a little type A. And so this was very far from type A. It was, Okay, well, let's. And I'm sure Ryan was kind of like, you, how were you just like, yeah, Great. let's go with it. Yeah, we're going to be just fine. You know what they're doing? <laughs> we're going to be all right. He runs home, grabs our hospital bag. We live 10 minutes from the hospital. Just so calm. And we're just, you know, it's, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. And mm-hmm. we're just, he's great. Good day to have I'm a I'm like, okay, I can't go to work tomorrow. I got to do all these things. I got to figure all this stuff out. And Ryan's just great. And then what happened? Okay, so, oh, we had, we did a natural birth and I did end up having to be induced just because they were like, obviously your blood pressure, you need to get this baby out. So they start the induction, labor's great. We're having a, like nothing, nothing like crazy happens during the labor. Um, And I just, by the end of it, just remember them being like, okay, we re- you really got to get this baby out. Like, you just got to get her out. And that's all I knew. So she comes out and I immediately knew something was not right. And um, I just remember them saying, oh, I've never seen a placenta like this. And I was like, okay, okay. And I knew something was wrong. Ryan's over there with her. And um, no, you know, I just knew that they like, they were like, we're taking her to the NICU and he got to go with her. And that was, that was it at that time. And then they, they figured out that the umbilical cord had um, inserted itself into the center. I mean, the side of the placenta instead of into the center of the placenta, um, which is called a velamentous cord insertion. And so because of that, she, her umbilical cord had snapped and she lost an extreme amount of blood um, throughout the birthing process. Very quickly. Yeah. And infants don't have a lot of blood to begin with. You know, right. it's it's it was something that we went from. I mean, you're you're in this journey for nine months, and labor begins, and it was all going really well, and very very quickly at the end, it just turned. And it was a it was a blur, and at the same time, it was an eternity. Um, and it's like a they don't even check for this in ultrasounds because it's so rare that it's a lightning strike. They told us they don't right. they don't look for this this thing. So so they take Copeland out, Ryan. You go. Mm-hmm. What what's going through your mind at this point? Everything, everything possible. Um, I I knew something was wrong at the very end of the delivery and Lauren Lauren was unbelievably strong this whole time and when they told her you need to get this baby out of you she she did everything possible to make that happen and she did and so I I immediately just, I'm following Copeland wherever she's going. Right. We're walking down this hallway. 
and she's not looking great. She looks beautiful and she looks like she needs some air. She looks like she needs some help. And so, um, yeah, man, I, I mean, we, we were feeling confusion. We were feeling fear. We were feeling the exact opposite of what you expect right. Right. in that moment. Right. And then what happens after that? So she, they don't really even know at this point what's, what's going on. Um, she's, they get her to the NICU. She is awake. Um, and her eyes are open and she's looking at us and, um, you know, they, babies have a reaction just to grab fingers and things. Mm -hmm. She's like grabbing our finger. Um, and they're, you know, just doing all sorts of things, trying to figure out what's going on with her. Um, and at that point, and one of the pediatricians, because they did not know what was happening and I don't, maybe he was just helping me out, but he's like, this is just going to be a bad a bad hospital stay, I bet right. you're going to go home and you're just going to have this, this story, but she's coming home with you. And so I'm like, okay, well, great. I'm going to, you know, I knew it was bad. It was a horrible, very traumatic experience. What we had just gone through, but I'm going to go rest a little bit because I had been in labor all night. So we, Ryan is spending as much time with her as, as he can. If I remember correctly, we both were, we, we just wanted to be with her as much right. as we could. Right. And so we had, we're going back to see her. It was that evening and we got met um, with a nurse practitioner coming in to, as we were going into the NICU, she was coming out to find us. Um, And she just said that Copeland had coded and um, things just weren't looking good. And even if she did survive it, they weren't sure what kind of brain activity she was going to have due to the, the loss of the amount of blood. She lost so much oxygen to her brain, and so they just didn't know. And so at that point, they just started running some other tests, um, which luckily I did not have a, a birth out, outside of the hospital um, or else we wouldn't have gotten any of this time with her. Um, so the test they were running took several days to get the results back. And so it was just a waiting process from there. And we just, luckily they let me, the physicians that were rounding on me, um, you know, allowed me to stay in the hospital, you know, extended days so that we could just be right there with her. Mm -hmm. Um, and we finally got the, the last test that they did was um, an EKG, I mean, not an EKG, an EEG. And we realized that she didn't have any any brain activity. Um, and so at that point, we obviously knew that we, you know, we're going to take her off of the machines that she was on and, and that that would be the span of the time that we got with her. Do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, we we got to spend four days with our daughter that we would never, we never would have gotten if our plans hadn't have been ruined. And it's important for me to say that if we had gone through with what we were, you know, dreaming up, 
uh, Lauren may not have made it either. The doctors told me that at the same time. Uh -huh. So yeah. what's happening here is like, we are holding so much wonder and miracle and joy and hope and sorrow and pain and longing and just utter confusion all at the same time. And so Copeland is just fighting for her life for four days. And we're just begging. Begging God. And we had already, we were, before Copeland, we were already in a little bit of a weird place with um, church and our relationship with God just due to some other circumstances that had happened to us. And then this just, I mean, we were like, I mean, begging for a miracle. Just Absolutely. Begging. Yeah. And not a lot of guys from what I remember about that time, I mean, not just our church, there were a lot of churches in the upstate in particular that were like just begging with you guys. Yeah. It was People unbelievable. Come in and just we didn't we didn't really want to see anybody so but people right. were coming and just praying in the lobby and sending us dinners at the hospital. Uh I mean anything that you could imagine just the amount of people that we had around us was stunning and beautiful and I mean something that I'll never forget. Just it was crazy. And mixes of groups. Mm-hmm. People coming out of the woodwork to just hold us up. And I, I mean I I remember <laughs> I remember from where Copeland was in the ICU there was a I don't know if I told you this, but okay. out that window, there was a, there's the only thing that you could see. There was just trees and a church steeple. And man, it was like, it was kingdom, Perry. It was like, there was no rhyme or reason to the group of people that reached out to us. It was everyone from everywhere, every, every walk of life, people we didn't even know, people we might've met one time. You know, it was it was wild to have that many people supporting and praying for us. Like, I'll still never be able to comprehend that. But we got to, while she was in the hospital, we got to we did it. We didn't get to hold her for. I mean, the majority of the time we couldn't touch her. Really, I mean, we could touch her, but we couldn't hold her. Right. But we got to change her diaper and do things of that nature, like with her and experience. That was Ryan's first diaper that he ever changed. Um, so we got to do things like that with her. Mm -hmm. And then you guys were, I guess, in the room mm -hmm. as you stepped into eternity. And... Yep. Yep. She was in my arms. I was holding her. Really? And uh, that was the worst day that I'll ever live. And... I mean, where we went from there was, why is this happening and and how could a any God be good designing a world like this? I'm not far away from you. I'm not far away if you want me to. Break you out of heaven, 
biggest thing was like it just doesn't have to be this way why is it and why are i know we're not the only ones that are experiencing something like this why would why would a why would a perfect pure blameless sweet beautiful little girl have to suffer like this and why would why would lauren have to deal with this loss and you too yeah but i mean I was I was begging God to switch places with her and just we were we were having our prayers and our pleas answered by these countless people just holding us up and then some of our our biggest prayers were just coming back with silence you know and so from there. So you're praying and you're believing God for a miracle mm -hmm. and it doesn't happen. And you walk out of the hospital, you drive home. Devastated, man. It's the worst that I'll never forget what that felt like. And we're leaving the hospital and they're like, bye. And they're so happy because they don't realize that we're leaving without our baby in the situation that we've oh. just been through. Um, so then we start planning a funeral, mm -hmm. which is not, I mean, you know, you go from having a baby. Oh, also Mother's Day was the day after she was born. So that was my first Mother's Day mm. was the day after her birthday while we were in the hospital. Um, so, you know, you just go from having this baby to then five days later planning a funeral for a baby, which is Awful. Absolutely awful. awful. Wouldn't wish that on anyone. Awful. Yeah. So get through the memorial service. And up until this point, you guys have had a, a really good walk with the Lord. You know, you would have probably described yourself as faithful, you know, following Jesus. But then you guys stepped into a really dark season dark and had a lot of where where what happened spiritually after mm -hmm. this where, where did you go in your relationship what did it do to your relationship with jesus i mean i literally was like f you god f you for doing this to me for for taking this thing that i wanted so badly away from me i was like i mean I think we just were like, is this even real? How can this be real if this is like, these kinds of things can happen? I just didn't, I just couldn't do the math. I just couldn't understand why I'd never, I'd never been touched by sorrow like that. Mm -hmm. I knew about suffering. We had faced things before, but this, this so seemingly unnecessary awful, terrible thing that would happen to something, someone so innocent, so perfect. It just didn't make any sense to me how God could be loving and even allow that to happen, let alone be sovereign and be in control. 
the math couldn't make sense to me. And I became, I, I was just open-handed to anything's possible. Maybe all of this is, maybe all of this is, is fake and maybe we got it wrong. And you know, what, I, I just was devastated and utterly confused. And so I, I held some space in my heart to hear from God if, if he would just speak to me or mm -hmm. send someone to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. But I didn't really want to hear from him anyway, you know? Got it. Unless yeah. that math and that equation made sense. And so I, I, we, were, we were sitting and, and we were rotting for a while. And um, I think that manifested in different ways for us. Yeah. Now I will say, while that was happening and while those thoughts were forming about God, my doorbell would ring just about every night or my phone would go off and someone would say, we've dropped a meal here. We didn't, we didn't want to impose by knocking on your door. We're driving off. Just hope you can use it. Or you. I mean, I'll never forget right afterwards, just you sent Ryan a text and you were like, I mean, what did I, exactly? It just was like, we don't have to say anything. We can just sit here. I will go mow your grass. Like people just being around us, but understanding that they didn't have to see us. They didn't have to talk to us. They didn't have to just ugh, the outpouring of love was just unreal. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. It was amazing. And looking back, I, I know the source of that love, yeah. you know, and I can see it plainly. Uh, but then I wasn't ready to admit that or to be so sure about it, I guess. Well, because, and let's go ahead and address this. And I, cause I can remember having a couple conversations with you guys during the process about some of the honestly stupid, frustrating things that you oh, were hearing yes. from people that, mm -hmm. you know, they meant well, <laughs> they maybe, but like, give us a couple of examples of things that you just, you just don't say to people. Oh God. Situation. Thank you. We're, Let's make a PSA. We're about literally this. getting her. We're at the cemetery, um, lining up like, Fortunately, my dad had purchased a handful of plots earlier in life. And mm -hmm. so we knew she was going to be buried in that area with he's there. And then, um, you know, we will go there. But we're sitting there and the woman says, well, God needed another angel. And Ryan, <laughs> I just about leapt over that table and that woman would have needed a plot of her own. <laughs> mm. we're, we're picking out a place to bury our infant daughter. And she wants to tell me that God wanted an angel and her another angel in heaven. That's nothing to say to somebody. Right. Don't say that to anyone ever. <laughs> Don't or, please. Oh, I also really hated hearing. And again, I learned later on that, you know, most of these people don't know what to say and they're saying what they think is the best thing to say or the only sure. thing they know how to say, but it's God has a plan. God has a plan. And I'm like, well, screw that plan yeah. because this is awful. Yeah, this sucks. Yeah. Like I don't want to hear about this plan or 
just anything like that. Like, I just wanted to hear, man, this is absolutely awful. And yeah. I'm so sorry. It sucks. Yeah. Would you guys say that, you know, you get, so you get through the, the, the funeral and then try to establish a new normal. Were you, were you done with church? Were you done with? Um, yeah. I feel yeah. like we were. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we weren't going to church. But like didn't, had no desire for it. Mm -mm. No. I'm, we're not people that can, I guess, go through motions for really much of anything. Mm -hmm. And um, there was just no desire to go and to worship at that time. Not at all. It was, it was anger. It was sorrow, confusion. It was so many things, Perry, but it was not, can't wait for this Sunday. Right. See you there, brother. It was not, it was not. We hadn't, we hadn't thrown it all out, but we needed answers and little bits of faith and hope like that stuck with us and helped. I just, that's important for me to note that. Yeah. And this was, what year was this that this happened? This was 2018. 18. So that was 2018. Well, here we are in, in 2023, almost the 2022. So so five years have passed. And looking at where you were back here and look at where you are. So you're, you're both walking with Jesus. You're both not only attending church, but you're working in <laughs> our, our church. Um, what, like, what happened? Because, I mean, you didn't, and was there a, a bright light in your car? Did the, did the mm -hmm. voice ever come? Like, I so wish. What, what, what has happened between then and now that has given you guys enough faith to, to be where you are today. I can speak for me. Uh, well, and yeah, I can um, speak for both of us in this. So. I can speak for me. <laughs> <laughs> Man, little tiny bit by little bit by little bit. Capacity for faith group. It was not a shining light in my car. I wish it was. It was not the voice of God audible for all to hear. It was none of that. I asked for that. I wanted that, but it wasn't that. It was honestly an accident that I started getting involved with church again and coming to Second Chance. It was it was a last minute favor for right. for a band need filled in on guitar. And um, I remember that day. Yeah, man. And I and I. I was like, sure, I'll do that. Had expected to just visit, say, hey, give you a hug. And then, you know, not maybe not be back for a while. And man, I just, I remembered what it was like to be around something so good. And I mean, I, I missed it before that, but I just, it, it, it came into full focus. And I missed it even more. And so I started getting involved in that way. And man, even for, there were parts of, parts of this whole thing. I still didn't, I couldn't make 
amends with. I couldn't make it work. Right. But being around, being around second chance, being around people just coming in, bringing, bringing pain and heartache with them and watching it leave them, watching them, watching arms come around them mm-hmm. week in, week out, watching hope happen for people and watching them change. It, it began to change me. It began to wow. at least give me, it just grew my capacity to believe in this thing again, you know, and to, to trust it because it's at, at some point I was like, I don't care. I don't care what's true and what isn't. That's real. Right. Well, and to be able to, you know, ask questions and not like, you know, even mm-hmm. at church, you you knew where he was mm-hmm. or we were. And it wasn't like, you can't be at this church because you're questioning mm-hmm. all this stuff. Right. It was like, safe. It was, it was like, safe. we can come there. We might not believe any of this right now, but we're here. Mm-hmm. And that's okay that we we felt that way. Nobody judged us. Mm-hmm. Like just being... Being able to to do that and to you guys just like accepting and loving us in that time versus saying like, you have to have it all figured out and you have to pledge allegiance. You have to believe this 100% <laughs> to be in this church or even playing in the band. Sure. You know, like sure. you have to have it all figured out and tidied right. up. Right. That's that. Maybe that's been an, ex- an expectation that we were used to or that has been a common thing and it was a safe place to learn and to grow and to figure things out. And, and to so ask we did. Questions. Yeah. And during that time also, you got pregnant again. There's that. <laughs> how much, how, how, how long after, um, Copeland did you get pregnant again? I was pregnant with Killian in September. So okay. May, June, July, I was with four months. Okay. Yeah. And that boy has more <laughs> life in him than three regular people. <laughs> yes. He is. I, I love that kid. And yeah. then how, how long after that? Until... So Killian was born, Copeland's birthday is May 5th, and Killian was born May 29th okay. of, the, of 2019. So they're like a year and two weeks apart. And okay. then um, we have another little man, Halen, who was born in 2021. So they're 22 months apart. Halen. Yeah. And he's, he's also full of life. He's Ryan Jr. Like <laughs> little wild man. Right. Yeah. So are we done with two or are there going to be more Capellis? No more. Oh, let's be done not. with two. <laughs> yeah. You said it yourself. Do what? You said it yourself. There's three regular full grown adults in that one kid. Right. What, what do you think the biggest lessons that God is teaching you right now? about what you went through. Mm. I think like for me is that the grief never goes away mm-hmm. for one. Mm-hmm. There is never going to be a time. There is never a day that I am not sad that she is not here with us. Absolutely. Um, and it's an odd thing to walk because it's, you know, we just, I have to live in this mindset of I'm, I'm grateful that we got three of three babies because, you know, if things had been different, we wouldn't have ended up with our other two. And so I have to know, like, I got all three kids. And growing up, I wanted to have three kids. I wanted to have two boys and a girl. And that's exactly what I got. My time just with Copeland was much shorter than I wanted it to mm-hmm. be. Um, but 
the grief never goes away. And it's just learning to, to walk with that grief for the rest of my life. And also the joy and the simultaneous grief, joy, walk, um, which is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. What about you, What we think God sweats me through this? Not to lean so hard on my own understanding. Mm. I think that I needed all the answers when all of this was going on. Mm-hmm. And I was relying on my ability to get them. And that was gonna, that was my silver lining. That was my hope. And the reality is like what I've been learning and hoping about God is that if God really is everything that God is, he is so much bigger and grander and greater than all that I could ever imagine, period. And there's a, there's, there is, I mean, a tiny percentage of maybe his like toe that is just poking into this pool of our existence. Right. I'm sorry if that's a weird way to put it, no, but I get it. he's just so much bigger than this. How could I expect to understand his intent or his plan or how all this stuff works out while I'm here? Right. How could I? Right. It's unreasonable. I'll keep trying, but I won't base my hope off of it. I won't base what happens next off of it. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I never knew I thought when things get real bad, they get better. And that's really not how it works. When when we lost Copeland, that loss, like Lauren said, is always gonna be with us. And there is an there's a there is a deep sorrow and just a an anger, a, a, a huge loss that went with her and that I'll walk with forever. Mm-hmm. Things just also get better. Yeah. You know? And to expect to try to extract the loss is not going to happen. I mean, I would tell, I would, I would say, if I could, if I could pass something on from what I'm learning to other people facing some terrible stuff, it'd be don't give up, don't give up, and don't lean too hard on your own understanding. And, and yeah, go ahead. I just was gonna say like. And how beautiful the church is or just like community. Like you really mm-hmm. can't, like I've never felt pain to where I physically couldn't like it physically hurt. Like I was in so much like pain from mm-hmm. losing her that I didn't want to cook. I didn't want to do anything and no joke for a month. I mean, meals were just out there mm-hmm. and I, I don't know what we would have done um, without the people around us. I don't, and, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have made it. Right. What, what, what would you say, Lauren? to somebody who's sitting in a congregation right now and they're, maybe they didn't experience the same exact circumstances you went through, but they're in that dark spot, that dark season, that dark night of the soul. Mm. What would, what would you tell them? Mm. To find somebody to talk to that has been through a similar circumstance that can somewhat understand, Mm -hmm. um, because that, gave me hope that I'm not the only person like Mm -hmm. that has experienced this and, and talking to someone that has been through it is different than talking to, you know, you, thank God you have never lost a child or the majority of people have not. Um, but finding somebody like that and that, you know, that 
that joy and grief walk like it is it is okay to do both of those things Mm -hmm. to be happy to still be grieving and that you know figuring that out you know everybody is so different um but just that it is a possible thing to do to grieve and be and be happy all at once Mm -hmm. you guys both you know when we sat down and we talked about this a couple times i think a, a word ryan that you used two or three times because I wrote it down was, was like gratitude. Mm. Like even in all this hurt, you can look back and say, well, it doesn't take the hurt away, Mm-mm. but I'm thankful for. Getting, oh, I was going to say getting five days with her, four days oh, with yeah, her. Of course. Yeah. I mean, Anytime that I, we got. I'm the luckiest man alive. If I look at my life, like, I I am more richly blessed than anybody that's ever lived with my family, with my sons in there, with Copeland that I I I I have lived lifetimes in short years. I mean, one one thing that will never be true of Copeland is that she ruined anything. Mm-mm. That's never going to be true of her ever ever ever. She didn't ruin my life. I've got, I am not characterized by grief and loss. I'm characterized by being blessed. I'm so grateful that she came into my life and Mm -hmm. she taught me what she taught me and that I'll walk knowing and having, keeping her in my heart for the rest of my life. It's not, it's not a, I'm not deleting the pain and the anger and the confusion and the sorrow by any means, but I'm not going to ignore that blessing. Not Mm -hmm. at all. That would be, <laughs> it would just be wrong. It would be, it would be the worst possible way to live. Yeah. The one, one thing too, um, I'd love for people to know who are going through something like this. I want to encourage you to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be honest about what's miserable. It really is. It's easy to point out what's awful, but don't neglect being honest about what's great. Copeland taught me that you can carry both sorrow and awful with the most wonderful. They both have space. Your heart's big enough for both of those things. Don't neglect the good. Don't forget about it just because there's horrible sitting right next to it. 